Well, we're in the third week of a message series that's focused on Jesus, and uh, the purpose of this series is to help us to grow in our love for Jesus and our knowledge of who he was and uh, what his life means for our life. And this week, we're looking at Jesus' work. Um, the essence of Jesus' work was recreating, renewing, restoring, making new everything that was lost at the fall. And if you want to pull out your Bibles and look with me, it'll be on the screen as well. But we're going to start right in the very beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, uh, after you get past all the indexes and talk about who translated it and all that kind of stuff. In uh, Genesis chapter 1, it uh, starts with God creating, God in the beginning. And he creates the universe, he creates um, the light and dark and sky and water and fish and birds and animals and on the sixth day he creates humankind Adam and Eve then in Genesis chapter 2 we read thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all of their vast array by the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing so on the seventh day he rested from all of his work Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So the Bible opens with God working. He's creating. That's the opening scene of the Bible. And the word that we get is that when God had finished creating, he declared it good. And he said that Adam and Eve were very good. And yet we know that when we turn the page and go to chapter 3, uh, all that changes. That they, Adam and Eve go from having this wonderful fellowship with God to rebelling against God and sin and brokenness become a part of uh, the world that God created. And so the rest of this book is the story and the history of God working through people to restore the fellowship and the order that was lost at the fall. And woven through all of these stories in the Old Testament is the story or the promise of a Savior, a Redeemer, who is going to come and set things right again. In the beginning, God spoke everything into existence uh, to recreate it, to win back the world, God would have to go another route. And so the New Testament opens, uh, and God does something so out there that it's unthinkable to many people. And the Jewish people, many of the Jews, could not get their mind around it. God took on a human body. He took on flesh to accomplish the work that he could only do as a human being. So this morning we're going to talk about um, Jesus' work on earth and how what he did on earth impacts us today. Uh, Jesus had a purpose for coming to earth, and there are primarily three works that Jesus came to accomplish. If you want to pull out your message notes, we're going to look at those. The first is that Jesus came to reveal God to us. Jesus came to reveal who God is and what God was like. The Gospel of John begins with the words, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then later in that first chapter, we read in verse 14, 
the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So this God who was in the beginning, who created everything, took on flesh and made his dwelling among us. And while he was living here among us, he made God known to us. Uh, In verse 18 of that first chapter of John, uh, we go on to read then, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. And that last word in the Greek, the uh, the language that John wrote his gospel in, is exogeomai. And that's the word for exegesis. And exegesis, to exegete, means to explain, to make it understandable. So when a pastor is going to preach on a passage of Scripture, they will exegete it. They'll look at all the words in there and what tense they are and what context they're in and where you find them in other places of the Bible and the context of this passage, and then make it understandable. To others, And John is saying that Jesus, who himself was God, came to exegete God, to make God known to us. Uh, so no one's ever seen God. That makes it hard to know God. But um, Jesus came to explain God to us, to reveal God to us. And through Jesus' teaching and through his work, Jesus gives us a picture of God, a God who is not far off or distant, but one who clothes the lilies of the field, who knows when a a sparrow falls to the ground, who counts the hairs on our head or the lack of hairs on our head, (laughs) joins us in the prayer closet when we pray, who will not break a bruised reed or quench a flickering flame, who seeks us when we're lost, And when we refuse to be found, waits patiently on the porch and without embarrassment comes running to us when we come limping home. Jesus explains that God is a God who has given his one and only son out of his great love for us to come and rescue us. And that's one of the purposes, one of the things that Jesus accomplished as God living in a human body. He made God's heart and his compassion and his love and his plan known to us. The work that Jesus was doing when he was on earth was the work that his father was doing as, and, uh, his, and, and he was doing as God. John 14.10 says, The words I say to you I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. So all the work that you see Jesus doing while he's on earth is God's work. It's revealing God's compassion for people and his justice. And Jesus reveals who God is through his action and his works and through his teaching. And then number two, uh, Jesus came to make the kingdom of God visible and available. Uh, Jesus was known as a miracle worker Uh, Even the religious leaders of his day who didn't believe that he was God or that he could forgive sins knew that he did miraculous uh, signs and performed miraculous healings. And in this series, we're looking each week at some of the people that encountered Jesus. And in John 5, there's a story. Jesus went to Jerusalem, 
and there was a pool there called Bethesda. And this pool had an interesting history. Uh, it, was a known, it was known as a place of healing. And at certain times, the angel of the Lord would come down and stir the waters of this pool. And the first person in the pool, after the waters were st- stirred, got healed. And so people would come, and they would uh, line up on the porches of this pool. There were five porches around the pool, waiting and watching for the water to be stirred. And then they would get into the water. And Jesus came upon this uh, scene with all these porches and people uh, covering them, sick people, blind people, lame people, uh, people who were paralyzed, and they're watching the water. And it's like Jesus uh, took an inventory of these people and knew their story because uh, he went up to one man, and the scripture said that he had been uh, sick for a very long time, unable to walk for 38 years. Anyone here around 38 years old? Anyone wish they were 38? Okay. (laughs) All of this. Uh, Okay, so those of you who actually are, uh, uh, this man has been unable to to get himself anywhere for as long as you've been around. And uh, Jesus saw this man. He knew how long he'd been suffering, and he had compassion on him. He went up to him, and he said, do you want to get well? Do you really want to walk? And the man said, yes, of course I do. But I don't have anybody to put me in the water when the water is stirred. And somebody always beats me in. And so Jesus said to him, pick up your mat and walk. And he did. And he was healed. Now, this happened on the Sabbath. And I think Jesus particularly liked healing on the Sabbath because People got healed, and the religious leaders got miffed. So uh, that was what happened on this occasion. And the religious leaders found out that Jesus had healed this man, asked him what he was doing carrying around his mat. And they said, well, because, you know, that was work, and you weren't supposed to be doing that. And they told them that Jesus had healed him. And so they came, and they questioned Jesus. And Jesus gave them this very straightforward answer. He said, my father is always working, and I, too, must work. And that's in John 5:17. The Father has been at work in the world from the beginning of creation to sustain it, to restore it, and Jesus came to do his Father's work. And his miracles were part of the redeeming and restoring work that Jesus did during his time on earth. And his miracles served a purpose. One, they were signs or witnesses that God, uh, that he was God and that he was who he said he was. I mean, the resurrection uh, proved Jesus was God. But these miracles were also glimpses of what the world was meant to be and will be again someday. Uh, I love what Philip Yancey says about Jesus' miracles Uh, He says, some see miracles as implausible suspensions of the laws of the physical universe. As signs, though, they serve just the opposite function. Death, decay, entropy, and destruction are the true suspensions of God's laws. Miracles are the early glimpses of restoration. What we experience as normal and 
tragic occurrences, people dying, friends being diagnosed with incurable diseases, family members suffering, those are abnormal. They weren't intended to be a part of God's creation. And when Jesus made broken people whole, he was giving us a glimpse of the world and what it will be like again when war and drought and drugs and violence and disease and uh, fatal accidents don't ravage and scar people's lives ever again. Jesus saw his miracles as more than acts of compassion. They were bringing a foretaste of the kingdom that Jesus was opening up. They gave us a glimpse of the day that Jesus would come and make all things new. But before that he could make all things new, he needed to complete the work of that his father had given him of putting an end to sin and death. And that's the third thing that Jesus came to do. Jesus came to defeat sin and death and give us life. Jesus beat Satan on his own turf through the cross and the resurrection. And he could only do that as the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. But on the flip side, in order to accomplish what Jesus accomplished through the cross and resurrection, he had to suffer and die as a human being. Fully God and fully human, Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And Jesus' last assignment on earth was to die on the cross to free us from sin and to heal the sting of death. Um, his prayer on the last night before he was crucified. Jesus said this. He looked towards heaven and he prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Friends, here and now, we suffer in many ways. Sometimes we experience great tragedies that leave us broken and full of grief. There are things that we can't fix, and we don't understand, and we're left with the big questions of why. Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And Jesus' instructions to take heart, to cheer up, are not some kind of instructions to get over it. Uh, they're an invitation to remember that pain and suffering and death do not get the last word. The price has been paid. The victory has been won. And there will be a day when everything will be made clear and pain and disease and loss and dying will be no more. We can live today with the assurance that that day is coming when Jesus will set everything right and death will lose its sting. We started the message at the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to the very last book of the Bible, uh, second to the last chapter. Revelation uh, was written by the Apostle John. The Romans had some several little islands where they would send their political and religious prisoners, and uh, John was sent to one of those islands, the island of Patmos. And while he was on the island, he had a revelation, and Jesus appeared to him and 
uh, spoke some things to him. And we're reading in Revelation 21, where John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making all things new. There will be a day when the world, when everything is made whole and new again. Jesus gave himself completely to the work that his father gave him to do. And during this series and during Lent, as you read the story of his life, and his death and his resurrection, I hope that you'll understand the depth of his love for you and be reminded of his power to transform lives and be amazed. Jesus is worthy of awe. And we're going to start the Lenten season this morning with a video to remind us of the work that Jesus did while he was on earth and the hope that is ours because of his life, death, and resurrection.
Would you pray with me? Loving God, we are amazed uh, at your goodness that you would send your son to die for us. We thank you, Jesus, for the cross and all that that means for us and the life that is ours because you were willing to come and die in our place. As we begin this Lenten season, God, we offer ourselves again to you for your grace and your mercy to be shown through us and to be known uh, through us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.